WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, September 14th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today. Just a beautiful day on the way. High 77. Tonight, overnight, clear, low 59. Good sleeping weather. And then Friday, mostly sunny, high 74. You're seeing that? We're not getting out of the 70s, getting closer to the fall. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 65 and clear in Old Westbury out on Long Island. 66 and cloudy in Passaic down in New Jersey. And it is 67 and cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. A survey from Wallet Hub coming out yesterday yesterday says New York, New Jersey, Connecticut are considered some of the happiest states in the nation. I find this kind of comical as I sat, you know, for 50 minutes in midtown traffic yesterday. I was not one of those people feeling happy. According to the study, New Jersey is the fifth happiest state. Uh, Connecticut is the sixth happiest state. New York ranks slightly lower, but still uh, way above the top 50 at number 16. The uh, personal finance website says the study considered 30 key metrics ranging from depression rates and the share of adults feeling productive to income and the unemployment rate. And that's how they came up with these uh, list of the happiest states. So fifth for New Jersey, sixth for Connecticut, New York, number 16. And of course, you're asking, Noam, what is the happiest state in the nation? The happiest state in the nation, according to Wallet Hub, is Utah. And I have to say, I took vacation with the kids last summer, not this past one, but a year ago, uh, doing the West thing and seeing the canyons and stuff like that. I would be pretty damn happy if I lived in Utah, too. It's like, God, is that a beautiful state? Uh, there's um, Curtis Lewa wants me to talk about this big rally that they're going to be holding tonight with Sid and Curtis leading this rally. It's called Topple the Tents. It is this bipartisan push against housing migrants at Floyd Bennett Field. And uh, it looks like this is going to happen. I mean, apparently the contracts, if they haven't been signed yet to set up the tents and create a tent city at Floyd Bennett Field, they're pretty close to happening. The feds had to sign off on it. It is a place to house the migrants that continue to come here. And apparently the feds gave the green light to do it. So yesterday there was this bipartisan push on the part of Republican and Democratic lawmakers across the city to stop this from happening. They hired a lawyer, uh, attorney John Simpoli, who specializes in constitutional law. And he's suggesting that it's illegal for residents to be set up on federal park lands. And that's a federal park land. Here he was yesterday. You got to ask the governor and the mayor, don't sign that lease. It's an illegal act. You should not be doing it. We will confront you in court if you do. This place is not zoned for residential purposes. Um, it therefore shouldn't be used for residential purposes. He was hired by state assembly members uh, Jamie Williams and Stacey Amato, as well as the city council member uh, Joanne Ariola. They were part of this press conference yesterday as well. It is almost underwater. It is at sea level. If we have a slight rise in tide, those 
those areas where they want to put a migrant base camp are flooded. We have reached out to the governor, to the mayor, asking them about the impact study, environmental study, safety site study, crickets, nothing. Not clear if this lawsuit will just slow things down or stop it altogether. And then tonight, this is what Curtis is asking me to talk about. He is hosting a event at Floyd Bennett Field, 7 o'clock tonight, is called Topple the Tents. It's your chance to voice your protest against Floyd Bennett Field becoming a new home for the migrants. The argument here not is not only just the fact that it's uh, floods a lot, but there's no transportation nearby. Uh, they're worried about public safety because they don't know who will be coming in. So that's at 7 o'clock tonight. Curtis will speak. Sid will speak. There'll be others there as well. It's called Topple the Tents. I'm sure they'll be talking about it on Sid and Friends in the morning at 7.05 during his daily appearance, Curtis's daily appearance there on right here, 77 WABC. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. Here comes the push to get the COVID shot. Where was that prison escapee hiding for two weeks? Uh, Again, the migrants, will they ever make it to Floyd Bennett Field? Democrats now asking how old is too bold to live in the White House? And a New Jersey school bus driver just gets lost. Okay, let's get into it. 5.05, we'll start uh, down in North Carolina. Police arresting a suspect last night on the campus on the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, UNC, locked down Wednesday afternoon amid reports that an armed and dangerous man was walking the campus. Police eventually caught up with this 27-year-old. His name is Michael Harris. They say he was wanted in connection with an incident on the UNC Chapel Hill campus earlier in the day. Thank God uh, no reports of anybody being shot or injured. Of course, this lockdown, a big story because it comes just two weeks after the campus was placed on lockdown after a student shot and killed a professor there. 506, let's bring it back here closer to home. Pennsylvania, the search for that escaped murderer in Pennsylvania ending yesterday early in the morning. Danilo Cavacante taken into custody and we're hearing more about the search and how they were able to catch up with him. Shortly after 8 a.m., tactical teams converged on the area where the uh, heat source was. State police Colonel George Bivens says Cavacanti was captured after being found hiding in a field under fo- under leaves and a pile of logs. Authorities say that overnight tactical teams actually used thermal technology to locate who they believed was Cavacanti, but they waited until daylight to move in on him. At the time of his capture, Cavacanti, if you didn't see, he was wearing an Eagle sweatshirt, which, of course, got a lot of laughs around here. They were able to move in very quietly. They had the element of surprise. Cavalcante did not realize he was surrounded until that had occurred. He began to crawl through thick underbrush, taking his rifle with him. They released the dog. The dog subdued him, and team members from both of those teams immediately moved in. So the good part of the story is they took him without a shot being fired by him because he had a gun. He had stolen a gun from a garage the day before. Governor Josh Shapiro, he's the governor of Pennsylvania, congratulating the cops and the dog who found him. Cavacante has since been taken uh, to a state police facility. uh, In the coming days, he'll be taken to a state prison where he'll begin to serve out the remainder of his life sentence. Yeah, I don't think that was the governor, but that was somebody also congratulating the cops, talking about what took place. Residents in Chester County who had sort of been in in their own lockdown over the last two weeks, of course, relieved that he is behind bars again. This continued to go on and on and on for 14 days. The saga 
very tense, very much on edge. Yeah, there's a lot of questions about the police work that was done here, how he was able to escape that prison. That will all be sorted out now, thankfully, now that he's behind bars. I feel like crying because I can actually sleep now at night. I've been up all night, every night for the last two weeks following this guy and... It's a relief. Yeah, must have been pretty intense. WABC News Time 510. The new COVID booster vaccine is now available. The question is, will you roll up your sleeve to get one? Governor Hochul is urging New Yorkers to get the new coronavirus vaccine booster. It's designed to combat new circulating strains of the virus. There's no need to be careless. We have the tools we need. Treatment, tasks, masks. But the best, most effective way to deal with this is getting the vaccine. Hochul says the number of coronavirus cases and hospitalizations have been on the rise in recent weeks in New York State, but still well below numbers earlier in the pandemic. The governor is requiring nursing homes to make the new vaccine booster available to residents. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. For sure, not everybody on board this COVID booster. Florida's top doctor says a sunshine state, the first to recommend against most people under 65 getting the COVID booster. I just think that at this point with the amount of immunity that's that's in the community with virtually every walking human being having some degree of immunity and the questions we have about safety and about effectiveness. That's Florida's Surgeon General says when it comes to older people who do have higher rates of COVID hospitalizations and death, they should not be misled. He says that there are clinical trials on the boosters and he said they'll benefit them because he's not sure that they will be benefited by this booster. He's calling on doctors to make sure they provide patients with what he calls informed consent. My judgment is that it's not a good decision for young people and for people who are not at high risk at this point in the pandemic. So interesting that he stands out among all the different surgeon generals across the country. Uh, he stood out during COVID as well, opposed to what some of what the White House was doing, the Biden White House. And so here he is again. Individuals who are older are making a decision about whether or not to take the booster. They should not be misled into thinking that there are clinical trials of the boosters that are indicating that they'll benefit. Since that isn't true. Yeah, um, some of this definitely rushed to market, but the CDC uh, signing off on it. Take a look at the fact that we are straight with people about data and about what is known and unknown. And that will help you make the decision that is best for you. 512, uh, President Biden announcing a new series of actions as part of his goal to end cancer. The goal is to mobilize a whole country effort to cut American cancer deaths in half in the next 25 years or sooner, God willing. While meeting with members of his cabinet yesterday, the president announcing a $240 million funding boost for research projects that help improve cancer and prevention treatment. And we're modernizing our cancer research system, breaking down silos, so new data is available to as many experts across the country as possible. So the president has set this ambitious goal to cut U.S. cancer death rates in half over the next 25 years. I think that's something we can all get on board, right? Someone will slam me for doing that. But the president's son, of course, Bo Biden, died at the age of 46 from brain cancer back in 2015. The White House, meanwhile, calling the impeachment inquiry into the president baseless. You see Republicans uh, in Congress, they have uh, spent all year investigating the president and uh, have turned up with no evidence he, that he did anything wrong. 
Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there says Republicans just trying to damage the president politically ahead of the 2024 race. Certainly not going to speculate on what has been a baseless inquiry that the House Republicans can't even really defend themselves. But Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says the investigation will give the House the power to determine whether there was any wrongdoing by the president. And he says they're investigating that now. Meanwhile, President Biden sent a letter to major news outlets asking they scrutinize his House impeachment inquiry. Of course, the man who launched that inquiry, as we said, Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, says the letter he thinks is out of bounds. I think the investigation is really concerning to me that the president, the White House, is telling the press what to say. The White House letter urges news organizations to call out what it says are lies and misinformation spread by Republicans. McCarthy says he would hope the press would want to get to the bottom of the allegations and see if they're true, just like Republicans are. I think the press should be wanting to know the answers, too. Did the president know when he went to dinner with his son that he would get a Porsche? Did he know his son was selling the brand? The brand was him. All fair questions. Uh, we didn't get a letter here, by the way. I'm still waiting for mine. Maybe maybe it was sent regular mail. You know how long sometimes that takes. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Uh, let's see. Oh, Friday Eve. Look at this. Uh, happy Friday Eve. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Thank you, Nomad. And it's actually Friday for me. So. Oh, you're right, because you're off tomorrow. Yeah, you, have good, you have a good rest of the week, okay? I'll, I'll, see I'll you. do my best. I'll see you when I see you. I'll miss you. Yeah. I'll miss you, too. <laughs> we got week two of the NFL season right around the corner. Gnome, it's coming here. We have Thursday night football set for tonight in Philadelphia between the Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. Little Birdie told me um, a Justin Ellick, a one Justin Ellick, will be in attendance. So oh, look at that. I'll take some nice content for you, Gnome. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you oh, as good. you're uh, preparing okay. for the show tomorrow morning, okay? Are you going to do live reports from the stadium tomorrow morning for me? Absolutely not. Okay. No. Oh, okay. No, no, absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I'd ask yeah. anyway. Well, thank you for asking. Sure. The Eagles, uh, despite missing three, I told you I was going to miss you, right? Uh, yeah, you, okay. you, you did. You did. You already said that. <laughs> but hey, the more you say it, the better. Right. <laughs> the Eagles are missing three key players for tonight's matchup, but they're currently six and a half point favorites still. Locally this weekend, the Giants are in Arizona to battle the Cardinals on Sunday afternoon. They're currently six point favorites there, while the Jets are getting a big. Nine and a half points Sunday afternoon in Dallas against the Cowboys. College football to look forward to starting tonight, 7.30 p.m. It's Bethune-Cookman at uh, number 22, Miami. And then some Saturday uh, top tens to look forward to here. Uh, at noon, you got three Florida State. They're 26 and a half point favorites at Boston College at 3.30 on Saturday afternoon. South Carolina is at number one, Georgia. Georgia are 27 and a half point favorites there. 4 p.m. Saturday, Western Kentucky at number six, Ohio State. Ohio State, 29 and a half point favorites. 7.30 p.m. on Saturday night. It's Bowling Green at number two, Michigan. Michigan, big time favorites there. 40 and a half points. And uh, 8 p.m. on Saturday night, Wyoming at number four, Texas. Texas there. 28 and a half point favorites. And quickly here, baseball in Queens. The Mets beat the Diamondbacks again, this time by a score of 7 1. Series finale for them against Arizona, set for 4 10 p.m. this afternoon. Looking to escape with a serious split. As for the Yanks, they got rained out again in Boston last night, so they'll have another day night doubleheader with the Sox on the docket this afternoon and tonight. Game one for uh, first pitch is scheduled for 1 35 p.m. No, that's sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellis. 
519, this was a big moment Democrats were talking about yesterday when uh, MSNBC host Joe Scarborough said Joe Biden is too old to run for the White House. And this was the bigger part of the story is he says Democratic lawmakers that show up on his show, people in Congress right now who say to the camera it's okay for Joe Biden to run for another four years are telling him behind the scenes, are we crazy? Just to answer David's question, uh, Mika and I, uh, everybody we talk to, every political discussion, all uh, it, it talks a lot about Trump. But when it comes to Joe Biden, people say, man, he's too old to run, isn't he? I mean, he's not going to he's not really going to run every discussion. When I say every discussion, I don't mean 99 percent of the discussion. Every discussion. We got it. I asked Reverend Al if he was hearing it all the time on our show this past week. He's hearing it as well. So, you know, we often will complain about Republicans who will say one thing about Donald Trump off the air and another on air. Well, let me just say Democrats off the air will say Joe Biden's too old. Why is he running on the air? They won't say that. So I commend I commend David for at least raising the question. I mean, my my question, of course, Willie is uh who can do a better job with, uh, as president as Joe Biden uh, and uh, who can beat Donald Trump? I don't I don't see a lot of Democrats out there. I don't see any Democrats out there right now that could do that. Yeah, well, so maybe that's the big issue for Democrats. That uh, statement being made as this new survey came out, 61 percent of American voters are supporting an age cap for presidential candidates. That's according to a new Quinnipiac University poll. The results come as many Democrats and Republicans are concerned over President Biden's age as he runs for office again. However, Biden's campaign has pushed back and said the president is capable of handling another four years. I'm Lisa Taylor. And this comes as no surprise. Spending on political advertising for the 2024 presidential contest will likely break records. It does every political season, doesn't it? Spending on political advertising is estimated to reach a record $10.2 billion in the 2024 election cycle, according to new projections from Ad Impact. Local television stations are projected to rake in half that amount with $5.1 billion. Cable TV trails broadcast with $1.9 billion. Connected TV, which includes streaming services, is likely to pull in $1.3 billion. Digital ads like Google and Facebook could reach $1.2 billion. Radio accounts for $400 million. Political ad spending in this election cycle has already Already reached 652 million. That's 75 percent more than at the same point in the last presidential campaign. Aaron Rayal, NBC News Radio. President Biden, meanwhile, will deliver a what he's calling a major economic speech in Maryland today. Well, contrast his agenda with specific policies contra- congressional Republicans have proposed and lay out what those policies would mean in concrete terms for the American people. His economic advisor there, Jared Bernstein, telling reporters the president will lay out the contrast between his economic policies and what he calls trickle-down policies by Republicans. Instead of investing in the middle class, trickle-down, ship jobs overseas, hollowed-out communities, and produce soaring deficits. To lay out the very clean contrast between Bidenomics and the congressional Republicans' trickle-down economic plan... That'll come later today uh, in a speech in Maryland. 523, this came as a surprise to some. Utah Republican Senator Mitt Romney announcing yesterday he will not run for re-election. Romney explained his decision in a video posted social media. I've spent my last 25 years in public service of one kind or another. At the end of another term, I'd be in my mid-80s. Frankly, 
it's time for a new generation of leaders. Yeah, maybe he's talking about Joe Biden there. Romney says the next generation of leaders should be, you know, given a chance to shape the next generation of politics. It really is a profound honor to serve Utah and the country. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to do so. He will not retire before the end of his term, will remain Utah senator until January of 2025. Tech industry leaders, they were on Capitol Hill yesterday to discuss artificial intelligence. One of the people there, Elon Musk, says he's taking AI concerns pretty seriously. The consequences of AI going wrong are, are severe. Um, so we have to be proactive rather than reactive. Senators, of course, trying to get their head around what AI means, what it could do. Senators hearing from Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and others during this closed-door meeting. It comes as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has prioritized bringing lawmakers up to speed rapidly on advancing AI. South Dakota Republican Senator Mike Rounds says AI is here to stay. Well, no duh. AI is not going away. It's going to be here for a long, long time putting guardrails in place to deal with issues like bias and work worker education and jobs. 525, the White House again, defending plans to swap money and prisoners for Americans that are detained in Iran. The United States is pursuing an arrangement in which Iranian funds held in South Korea are moved to restricted accounts in Qatar where they would be available for humanitarian transactions only. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby arguing the arrangement does not amount to a payment of a ransom. Republicans saying it does. He said there will be rigid restrictions on the Iranians' ability to use that money. The U.S. will have visibility and will be able to engage in oversight about where the money was going and for what purpose. Kirby arguing the arrangement does not amount um, to a payment of a ransom, which, again, Republicans are accusing the administration of doing. These aren't U.S. taxpayer dollars, and we haven't lifted a single one of our sanctions on Iran. And while we're overseas, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, President, Russian President Vladimir Putin, deepening their ties, possibly working out a deal to supply Moscow with weapons for its war in Ukraine. Correspondent Richard Engel is there. The deal between Putin and Kim is simple enough, according to U.S. officials. Putin is offering North Korea help with advanced technology and likely food in exchange for ammunition, the artillery and rockets that Putin needs to fend off the U.S.-backed counteroffensive in Ukraine. Sort of amazing, right, that he's going to lean on North Korea, of all places, for the military. The two leaders met uh, yesterday in Russia. United Auto Workers Union prepared for a likely strike against Detroit's big three automakers. The UAW doesn't back down from a fight. We're willing to do what's necessary to win justice. By any means necessary. Union President Sean Fain there ruling out any extension of the existing contracts with GM Ford. And they expected to, these contracts, they do expire at midnight tonight. So they could be walking as early as tomorrow. And it's looking more and more like that might happen. In bargaining, we've repeatedly told the companies from day one, September 14th is a deadline, not a reference point. We will not allow the big three to continue dragging out negotiations for months. 
Union members are at odds with the big auto companies over wage increases, pensions, job protections. Their union leader saying the initial strike locations would be limited and targeted if no deal is reached by midnight tonight. And let's look at the markets. They closed yesterday with stocks mixed. This comes after the release of August CPI report. It showed that inflation is rising. In investors' fear, the Fed may continue with its rate hiking campaign. At the closing bell yesterday, Dow lost 70 points. S&P 500 gained five. NASDAQ rose by 39 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Thursday, September 14th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today. Just a beauty on the way. High 77. Tonight, overnight, clear, cool. Low 59, and then tomorrow, sunshine, high 74. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 65 clear in Old Westbury out on Long Island. 66 and cloudy in Passaic in New Jersey. And it is 66 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour right here in Manhattan, lower Manhattan. Maybe you're one of the people who has gone to Canal Street over the decades, really, to shop for those knockoff designer bags. I remember there was a time my wife used to get those bags. And the truth is, a few times when I've covered these stories where they go in and arrest all these folks who are selling those bags, they'll usually bring in a real version of one bag and then compare it to the ones that they're selling on the street. And you cannot tell the difference. I mean, it is pretty spectacular. And you're paying like, you know, a third of the price of what the real bag costs, maybe even more. But, of course, you're ripping off these stores who have the rights to those brand names. And so the NYPD announcing the results of what is a massive counterfeit goods bust in lower Manhattan, in Chinatown, where included hundreds of knockoff luxury items being sold illegally. The bust took place. This was Canal Street from Church all the way to Broadway and from Broadway to Walker to Howard Street. I mean, it was all the way through Canal. The stretch of souvenir shops on the edge of Chinatown is a mecca for tourists who are looking to buy a piece of New York and a fake designer bag. Even the tourists know. Go to Chinatown if you want a knockoff bag. Here were the police that were involved in this bust, uh, and it was a big one. This is an area here where uh, the sellers are very condensed. You have two or three dozen sellers blocking the entrances to numerous uh, restaurants. Uh, places of business. No doubt you've seen these guys. They lay a blanket on the ground and they're kind of aggressive in their sales. After receiving numerous complaints from the community, police made their move. They arrested 18 people. They seized counterfeit goods large enough in quantity that it filled three flatbed trucks. That's a lot of designer items or fake ones anyway. They received a tremendous amount of complaints about counterfeit goods from the uh, community and from the business owners. So as you can see, uh, there is a tremendous amount, like I said, and we're, we're here seizing that and, uh, and taking it off the street. And police say based on the value of the real items, they say the knockoffs that were imitating the real ones have an estimated value 
in this bust of $35 million. At least that's the number they came up with. A majority of the people that were charged were charged with trademark counterfeiting. Police say they'll continue to patrol this stretch of Canal Street near Broadway to try to prevent those people from coming back. But as we've seen, and I've covered the story before... They will be back because the demand is there. 535, former New York City Buildings Commissioner Eric Ulrich facing five separate indictments now in conspiracy and bribery-related charges. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg says the 38-year-old is accused of misusing his authority in every public service position he ever held as a New York City council member, then as a senior advisor to the mayor, uh, Mayor Adams, that is, and finally as the Department of Buildings commissioner. Rather than serving the public, he used his roles to benefit himself and his friends. Alvin Bragg says he accepted more than $150,000 worth of the bribes, along with gifts like season tickets to the Mets and an apartment in the Rockaways. He is charged alongside six associates. Eric Ulrich, we allege, monetized each elected and appointed role that he held in New York City government. Now, each and every one. Ulrich was charged with six others, a pizza parlor owner, uh, the owner of a towing company, a real estate developer, uh, uh, corrections officer. They all pled not guilty yesterday. Thankfully, this investigation has not identified any public health or safety issues caused by the charged conduct. But make no mistake, the alleged criminal conduct does real damage. Ulrich's attorneys yesterday making a statement, releasing a statement anyway, that says that none of these allegations are true. They deny all of them, and they say they will fight them furiously in court. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Fort Lee, New Jersey. Just heartache there. A seven-year-old child killed last night after falling 21 stories from an apartment building in Fort Lee. It is one of those buildings that you can see when you cross the George Washington Bridge that has those great views of Manhattan. The um, authorities, police, in the early stages of the investigation, they say the young boy fell from the balcony. At least that's the thought. Here was a man who was walking home who saw the police cars last night. I see an ambulance. The cop tells me, move back, move back. I said, what happened? The cop told me that uh, the kid died on the spot. He fell from the 21st floor. The kid was rushed to Hackensack University Medical Center, where ultimately they pronounced him dead. Neighbors, sad shocks. I just saw the cop cars came by. I, I figured something had happened, and I said to my partner, it's cordon off. I think there's an accident. It looks major. That poor mom and dad or whoever's going through is my first reaction. So as a neighbor, I'm just feeling a lot. Prosecutor's office telling us that they're working alongside with the Fort Lee police to determine exactly what happened at the building as of early this morning. We did not get any details. I got a three-year-old, and I was just calling my wife to say, you know, keep the kids away from the door. Yeah. You know, the balcony, everything. Very sad, very yeah. sad. Just horrendous. Officials have not yet indicated whether any criminality was involved in the child's death. A search is underway for a driver in the Bronx involved in this violent wrong-way crash. It happened after a police chase. So the crash happened about 8.30 on the Major Deegan near West 233rd Street. The series of events began 
when Yonkers police responded to the report of a burglary at the Cross County Shopping Center, when they found the guy they were looking for, he jumped into his car. He led officers on this brief car chase. Police say they called off the pursuit when the driver got on to I-87 in the wrong direction towards the Bronx. Officers soon discovered a two-vehicle crash involving the guy they were looking for and another car. The people that were hit, um, when I got here, they were still in the car. Um, They got the passenger out first, and then they put her in the ambulance, and EMS did a great job working on her. So the car this jerk hit had two people in it. Thankfully, they're going to be okay, but of course, uh, they're a little messed up from the accident. Then YPD, fire, everybody that was here, they had to extricate the driver of the vehicle. Um, I couldn't see him too well, but he appeared to be okay when he got out of the car. Not okay, but alive. Going to be okay is what we're being told. Unfortunately, the wanted thief and the guy who got on going the wrong way, he fled from the scene. And as of 541 this morning, they have not found him. Long Island mother Claudia Stinson grieving the loss of her son, Anthony, 13. This was a story we told you about earlier in the week. Her 13-year-old son hit and killed by a Suffolk County police cruiser on Saturday night. Anthony was riding his bike uh, home in Shirley when he was hit by this officer who was racing to a scene. Now, her lights were on. Uh, She, after hitting the boy, she actually crashed into three cars, all part of what she was trying to do to avoid hitting him. Um, she was passing through a green light. That's what we're being told. The sirens were even on as well when she struck him. So uh, Claudia Stinson says she still doesn't know all the details of the crash. That's what she claims. Here she was yesterday talking about it. I'm going to fight to put an overpass that intercession. My other fight is what is the protocol of the police? Why did you not slow down a Yeah, of course, the mother grieving. But amid all that grief, what is sort of amazing is she thought, well, okay, my son's no longer here, so I'm going to donate his organs to others. Boy, in that moment that you can come up with that is pretty amazing. And she did. He was kind, goofy, loved to make people laugh, loved to help others. The pain of not having him is going to be tremendous. I just having God give me the strength. To go through this. Of course, an awful story when you lose the life of a 13 year old, but uh, how wonderful that the mother donated his organs. While we're out on Long Island, a story on a much lighter note. Some parents in Plainview outraged over a homework assignment they say was in poor taste, and the teacher who assigned it has now been pulled from the classroom. School officials say fifth grade health teacher at Howard Matlin Middle School has been removed after she gave the questionnaire, questionnaire to her students. The questions um, were about whether, it's a little complicated, but follow me for a second. The teacher said, let's say we're under a nuclear strike. We know we're going to be hit by nuclear bombs. Now, these are right. This is a fifth grade class. She said, now you have to pick the people that get to come with you. And she gave them a list of people and their occupations and who they are. And you had to decide which people would come with you. So on this list of people who could come into the fallout shelter, who you could survive the nuke attack with you, were a police officer with multiple charges of brutality. 
right? You're like already like, what's going on here? A 38-year-old retired prostitute and a 31-year-old gay architect. That was, was among of the, like the 20 names of people they could pick from. So parents now get this questionnaire at home and they're like, what the hell's going on in my fifth grader's class? I'm shocked that the teacher could be so stupid. She's crazy. This is not a question for a fifth grader. It's inappropriate. You know, I kind of remember doing an assignment like this in school, too, where you had to pick people. You know, it was made a way to sort of think out loud. But uh, this list... I think I'm going to post this list because it's so crazy. So the school district pushing back, saying, no, we shouldn't be teaching this kind of thing in class. And so she's not in the classroom anymore. There's no need to ask children who they would let die in a situation. (laughs) I mean, fifth graders, really? School officials say the investigation underway and that a substitute teacher is taking over for that class. That's probably a good idea. 545 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC sports desk. And here's Justin Ellick. Sounds like a fun class to me. Well, for you it is, but not for a fifth grader. Why not? Would you pick a prostitute over a police officer accused of brutality over a 31-year-old gay architect? The gay architect, like, okay, okay, I'll take that guy. But Why? The other ones. Well, because he hasn't done anything <laughs> wrong. He's just an architect. Maybe he could build me something better once the nuclear fallout is over. Why has the prostitute done anything wrong? That's her profession. No. I guess, but, it, you know, it's not legal. Mm, true. Legal in some parts of the world. Well, now you have me thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say I wouldn't take the gay architect or the police officer. Okay. Hey, now. Week two of the NFL season right around the corner here with Thursday Night Football set for tonight. What a stupid question. (laughs) It really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With Thursday Night Football set for tonight in Philadelphia between the Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. The Eagles, despite missing three key players here for tonight's matchup, uh, they are currently six and a half point favorites locally this weekend. The Giants are in Arizona to battle the Cardinals on a Sunday afternoon. They're currently six point uh, favorites there, while the Jets are getting a big nine and a half points. Sunday afternoon, they are the dogs heading into Dallas against the Cowboys. College football to look forward to uh, this week and weekend as well. Starting tonight, 7.30 p.m., Bethune-Cookman at uh, number 22 in Miami. And then some Saturday games to look forward to starting at noon here. You've got three Florida State, of 26.5-point favorites at Boston College. 3.30 on Saturday afternoon is South Carolina at number one, Georgia. Georgia are, are given 27.5 points there. 30 At 3.30 p.m. on Saturday afternoon, it's Virginia Tech at Rutgers. Rutgers are 6.5-point favorites there. 4 p.m. It's Western Kentucky at 6. Ohio State. Ohio State are giving 29.5 points. 7.30 p.m. on Saturday night. Bowling Green at 2. Michigan. Michigan are 40.5 point favorites. And at 8 p.m. on Saturday night. Wyoming at number 4. Texas. Texas coming off a big win. Texas 28.5 favorites there. And quick update on baseball here as well. And Queens and Mets beat the Diamondbacks again. This time by a score of 7-1. Series finale for them against Arizona. 4, 10 p.m. this afternoon. They're looking to escape with a series split there. As for the Yankees, they got rained out again in Boston last night. So they'll have another day-night doubleheader with the Sox on the docket this afternoon. And tonight, game one, first pitch, scheduled for 1.35 p.m. That's sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Allen. Let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. One of them is this bipartisan push against housing migrants at Floyd Bennett Field. 
the um, we've been told that some of these contracts had already been signed to bring in these supersized tents and create a mega migrant city on Floyd Bennett Field. It's owned the field. The park is owned by the feds. So they had to sign off and say that New York City could use it. Apparently they have. So now there's this lawsuit to stop it all. Um, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle taking part. Uh, here's the lawyer that will take this case into court to try to stop this um this housing of migrants at Floyd Bennett Field from happening. I'm going to ask the governor and the mayor, don't sign that lease. It's an illegal act. You should not be doing it. We will confront you in court if you do. This place is not zoned for residential purposes. Um, It therefore shouldn't be used for residential purposes. That lawyer hired by state assembly members Jamie Williams and Stacey Amato, as well as city council member Joanne Areola, they took part in the press conference yesterday when they were announcing this lawsuit to try and stop the city from sending up this migrant shelter in the park. It is almost underwater. It is at sea level. If we have a slight rise in tide, those... Those areas where they want to put a migrant base camp are flooded. We have reached out to the governor, to the mayor, asking them about the impact study, environmental study, safety site study, crickets, nothing. And later today, at 10, 7 o'clock tonight, at Floyd Bennett Field, you can take part in the Topple the Tents protest that is going to be brought to you by our own Curtis Lewa and Sid Rosenberg. They'll both be speaking out. And even if it's not in your neighborhood and you're just upset about the fact that migrants are being placed all over the city, you can take part 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, Curtis will be on 7.05 as he always ends with Sid on Sid and Friends in this morning giving more details. But again, 7 o'clock tonight, the Topple the Tents protest at Floyd Bennett Field. You know, uh, it's a top of the tent, but I did notice that uh, unlike the press release that Curtis sent out yesterday, right? where he said, I am the host and the MC, but he'll be there to speak. I did notice that two times you mentioned the rally this morning. You put Curtis's name first. I did. Yeah. But why do, would you do that? This uh, is, this do you want is, me to switch uh, the names hosted around? Hosted by Sid Rosenberg. Is it hosted by Sid Rosenberg? It is. Sid, in my press release, it does not say no, that. No, uh, I'm hosting it, and I've got two uh, people that are going to be there tonight, which include Curtis Sliwa and Democrat Assemblywoman Jamie Williams. Now, it's all so, put together by Curtis, and the people come to see Curtis, and he's the real hero. I'm just a radio doofus. But um, you have to put my name first the rest of the morning. So he's like a secondary, like he's an afterthought almost, Curtis He's Sliwa? like, uh, let's put it this way, Kanicki. Next to uh, Danny Zuko. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> All right, so well, hold on a second. Let me just type this in. This is Sid Rosenberg's rally. That's right. And by the way, Curtis Lewa will be there as well. That's right. If you're interested. I mean, not that interesting. But if you want to see Curtis Lewa, he'll be there. That And, and you know, when the uh, news trucks show up, right. picks 11, News 12, CBS, not <laughs> one of these people, not right. one, have any desire to talk to me. None. Will you shove Curtis Sliwa out of the way of a camera if he tries to get on camera oh, instead c- of you? On, don't be. 100% I would, yes. Okay. Just make sure. <laughs>
So tonight, 7 o'clock, 7.05, of course, Curtis will be on with Sid. You can hear more about that rally that is being sponsored by our very own Sid Rosenberg. Preparations underway for Rosh Hashanah, which starts tomorrow night. Police Commissioner Ed Caban meeting with members of the Jewish community yesterday to talk about the NYPD security plan for the High Holy Days. Homeland Security says there are no or new or specific threats against houses of worship across the street. But as police do for uh, every holiday, they will patrol some of these synagogues. Uh, during the holiday. A family from University Heights in the Bronx, they need your help. They're begging the community to lend a hand as they continue to search for their mom. Her name is Verbena Burgess. She's been missing for nearly a week now. Here is her daughter. It's been very traumatizing. Not only has it been traumatizing for myself and my family, we've been doing all that we possibly can as far as putting feet to the pavement. And as uh, Burgess's daughter told us, she says she hasn't been able to sleep since her mother went missing. She says her mother takes medication for a mental illness that causes her to be disoriented at times and dehydrated and she's just in complete panic of where she might be today i've been to all the local hospitals as well as trying to check in the different city morgues to see if there's a possibility if they have seen my mother she has been suffering mental illness practically her whole life so she's not a person who is violent but she can possibly be very talkative Burgess last seen at her home on Creston Avenue. That was Friday at around 630 in the morning. Her family says that she disappeared after that. She was wearing black shorts, a black T-shirt and a black sneakers, a pair of black sneakers. And so they're hoping maybe possibly she's still wearing that and somebody will recognize her. Please, please come home safely. Beg your way, whatever it takes to be able to come home and make it to us home safely. We miss you. We love you. And We would like to just be able to see her make it home safely. Yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Finally, a school bus driver in New Jersey works for Jay's Bus Service. Uh, We get the story courtesy of News 12. Has been barred from driving students in the Freehold School District. On Monday, he was driving home students from How High. And uh, all of a sudden, he pulls over the bus. (laughs) He gets off it and he knocks on the door of a house. And the students on the bus are going, what the hell is going on here? We just stop in front of a house and then he just like stops the bus and then gets off the bus and starts like knocking on a door. I texted my mom, my bus driver just got off the bus. Some kids were standing up in their seats. I know one kid was like taking a video, another one FaceTimed their mom and everything. That's Mari Ariello, who's a How High School student who was on that bus. She says they were left alone for about four to five minutes. Engine was running. The door was open while the driver ran in apparently into his own house. Uh, It was his own house. And what had happened, he grabbed a folder and then he ran back out onto the bus and he started driving. And then like a couple minutes later, he just comes back with a folder saying, oh, would it have been like a bad day without this? Yeah. So what was in that folder? The directions for the bus route. He had forgotten them at home, had no idea where he was going. And so he grabbed the directions And uh, they got to where they were going, but the bus company did not find this as humorous as I do at this moment, and they have taken them off the job for now.